0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. This week I am joined by the amazing award-winning poet, author and performer, inq Now for someone who has been following inq's work for years, this felt like such a pinch me moment. It was so amazing and special to be able to record a conversation with him. And he, I love his poetry, I love the way he performs. And in this episode he performs not one, but two poems. The first one is one of my favourite poems of his called Home and the second one right at the end of the episode he performs a brand new piece of work that has never been shared, he's never performed it before, so it's an exclusive and I just honestly my mind was blown. This is so special. I really hope you're going to enjoy this episode. Let's dive in to the Power Hour podcast with (laughs) InQ. Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm Adrienne Herbert, wellness coach, international speaker and author. Each week I speak to a variety of guests from business founders to Olympic athletes, leading coaches, changemakers and innovators to find out their daily habits, their rules to live by, and what motivates them to get up out of bed each day. Personally, I am on a mission to encourage, motivate, and inspire, so I hope that The Power Hour will help you to achieve your personal and professional goals. In Q, welcome to The Power Hour podcast. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me.
0: I'll be honest, it feels kind of surreal to be welcoming you as a guest onto this show today. As someone who has been a huge fan of you and your work, it's really special for me. So thank you for giving us an hour of your time and for joining me for this episode.
1: Well, it's surreal that it's surreal to you because (laughs) um, it's always nice when I meet somebody who's familiar with my work and um, yeah, genuinely appreciate you having me.
0: Well, today we're going to talk about a lot of things. We're going to talk about emotion and people, reflection, time, and our unique relationship to it. But before we get deep into all of that, to give some context, and for the listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with your work as I am, could you please kick off and tell us really what it is, in your words, that you do and why you do it?
1: Well, I'm a poet and I'm a songwriter. Uh, For songs, I usually write for other people. So I'm using my imagination and my truth to fit into the assignment. Um, But for poems, I just write for myself and I just kind of explore in life where it is that I'm inspired, where it is that I'm moved, where it is that I'm uh, frustrated about something. And I use that as the entry point to get into the poem And then uh, I'm lucky enough to travel around the country and the world sharing the poetry with people. And I do that digitally online through videos and um, I do it uh, through books and I do it through performance and I do it through workshops and I do it through podcasts. But really, the idea is just to expand and expose the poetry to as many people as possible
0: well as an award-winning poet and an author and songwriter and a performer your work is incredibly powerful in fact for me i think the performance element of it is the way that you are able to deliver your poetry is the for me is what makes it so engaging so thought-provoking so i'd really like to to start there i suppose like have you always enjoyed the performance aspect and i'd really like to understand like throughout the process of writing poetry and songs and in the creation process and that phase do you enjoy the writing part more or is it when you are able to perform and you get to see people responding and reacting and enjoying your words
1: I really enjoy both for different reasons and um, both are annoying for different reasons (laughs) (laughs) I really enjoy creating because I think it's the closest that I get to God people will always ask me um, what's my favorite poem and i say the next one yeah, because it's literally like the closest that i can get to source um, and then it's also frustrating because you're giving birth to an idea and uh, sometimes even if the idea is motivational it can be painful mm-hmm. to be the conduit to bring it into the world you have to use all of your experiences Um, your personality, uh, your identity in order to shepherd this poem, uh, or any piece of art really, in my opinion. Um, but you also have to get out of the way and that's a, um, complicated process. Mm -hmm. And then for performance, I love it because when I'm performing, I get an opportunity to mirror that truth, uh, onto whoever it is that's watching and and when I'm mirroring that truth I'm mirroring my humanity so hopefully they can see parts of themselves within that even if the circumstances and the details are, are different um and so that's uh, a beautiful um experience of alchemy that happens between me and the audience and then it's slightly annoying because um I still get in the way, you know, like I feel I have a philosophy that the art is more important than the artist. And so I know that I have to be there to communicate these poems to whoever it is that's listening. But I also feel like um, their judgments of me or who they perceive me to be gets in the way of the communication of the poems or my desire to I don't know, have validation or to be accepted yeah. or, um, to make money and live in abundance, you know, just all the normal human shit, the, the yeah. ego stuff, it, it gets in the way of the actual, uh, true core of what the poem is trying to say. And so that was a long answer, but, but it, the answer is both. <laughs>
0: Hmm. no it's it's really interesting as someone you know consider myself to be a creative person and you know I've written one book and I'm currently penning ideas for another one and i think this creative process is so interesting that you described you know the human element of ego and perception and getting in the way because it's something that i think all creative people the pressure changes right and the the expectation changes the bar changes and so i don't know has that changed for you for maybe if you think back to when you first started writing and you know maybe you didn't have those awards people didn't know who you were they you didn't have maybe as you know followers or or this number of downloads or whatever so I guess yeah how if it has changed how has it changed and how do you even try to to keep that in check and to keep that ego of suddenly people have you know in queue and the idea and this expectation and then there is kind of you know as well with the modern world and media we have a brand and suddenly you're a brand and then yeah how do you try to separate the two the art and the artist
1: that's a great question um you know if i'm backstage and someone is reading my bio, they say all of these accolades, these things that I've accomplished. And part of me is always proud. And then a part of me is always slightly sad because I know all of the hundred heartbreaks behind each of the successes. And people don't really uh, think about that when they look at a bio You know, they just go, wow, this person had a straight shot to that place. And they also think that that place, you know, in the bio is some sort of a destination. And that there's an arrival. And there isn't an arrival. There's just a never-ending journey. Hmm. So um, I'm really proud of what I've created in the world and the impact of my art. But I don't feel done. And I don't feel like I'm on the top of some mountain and all of a sudden I have just this never-ending momentum. I still feel like I'm in a genre that I absolutely love, but the genre doesn't really have a solid place in popular culture. So if I stop making noise, people stop listening. Um, If I had reached any other, uh, I think, place of success in any other genre, there would be a machine that is kind of taken over um, that would put my art out into the world. And yet for me, that hasn't quite happened. So um, I'm saying all of that just to be honest and to have a human response to your question rather than a brand response to your question. Hmm. From a brand standpoint, um, yeah, I certainly have all of these things that I've put out into the world, all of these things that I'm selling and I have an image, but uh, I don't want that image to imprison me to the point where i become a brand ambassador rather than a creator. And I think that's an important distinction for artists to make it, You know, how can you have a brand and build your brand or find other people to build that brand? So there's an infrastructure around you while uh, maintaining authenticity in that brand and simultaneously not uh, creating so that you're protecting that brand. Because if you're creating From the place of protecting the brand that you put out into the world, then you stop being adventurous or exploratory in your art and you actually lose your inner compass and your true artistic voice. So um, even that is a journey and not a destination.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think as I said, it's, it's slightly different when I think about the work that I do, but for many people now, you know, this idea of showcasing themselves at work as a brand, whether that's through social media, or podcasting, writing, whatever it is. I think there is you know, this ability to I think once you have some success and you, you know, as you described, you kind of you don't want to get stuck in this mold of what your brand is and then you can't change and you can't evolve and you can't try something new. So, I think it's really I often think as well when I was preparing for this episode I was thinking with the with your words and with your work it's often you know it really takes courage as well you know to really just go there and say things or perform in a way I think it really takes courage and I think a lot of people now because the world you know it must be so different you know imagine a poet's world pre internet you know as now in the modern world there's so you know everyone can have an opinion everyone can um, see I guess in this kind of in this visual world of like I said numbers and metrics success and failure I think it really does take courage to be able to change what you do who you are and not get stuck I suppose repeating the same thing
1: yeah I just don't write for other people I write for myself I have a um kind of like a a opposite feeling after I express something because a part of me wants everyone in the world to hear it and then a part of me wants to be selfish and just keep it for myself. Um, and so I still have to balance that out on a day-to-day basis. But don't get me wrong. I'm super grateful for this technology. It's unbelievable to me that we can you know, communicate like this um, in, in different countries and have other people listen back to this at different times and possibly get some small kernel out of it that helps move their life in a positive direction or sparks an idea that they wouldn't have had.
0: Mm, yeah, well, certainly certainly is the case. I think it's funny when I you know so much of the things that you talk about are universal topics such as love, grief, self-reflection, even you know social and political commentary and some of you know these things are We can all sometimes feel that as much as our own life and our own journey is unique to us and no one else has ever felt this feeling. Some of these universal things, the way you capture them, it feels, as you said, like everyone in the world could understand or could feel that or could think, yes, that's, that's exactly how I feel. And so also these issues sometimes, especially like social political, they can often feel quite heavy and can be quite... I don't know divisive even judgmental you know it's natural for humans we want to take sides we want to I guess have things in a binary way that's either right or wrong we're either for or against but when I listen to you you perform and read your poems I feel like often there's this sense of optimism and sometimes even humor so is that like optimistic humorous side is that intentional or is it kind of just deep down who you are that you're naturally optimistic when it comes to humanity and who we are as people
1: um i was talking to my wife the other day and we were laughing about it because i think i'm a micro pessimist and a macro optimist (laughs) right (laughs) you know like little things really bother me in terms of my day-to-day life i'm more like larry david um Mm. than than some sort of like eternal optimist but um when i look at humanity or when i'm able to like zoom out on the big picture when I move back from only seeing the pixels on the screen to watching the full image, um, I'm very hopeful. I really believe in life. And I think to be here on this planet spinning in the middle of space is a miracle. And so often my poems are macro reminders to myself. And then I share those with other people because I want to treat my audience how my higher self treats me. I don't want to leave them with hopelessness and pessimism. I want to leave them with infinite possibilities and empowerment. Wow.
0: Well, before I ask you my next question, because I have so many, but as you're talking about, you know, my poems and when I perform and I just feel like for anyone listening who hasn't heard you perform, I'm just like, they must be thinking, okay, I need to go. I mean, of course, do go and and watch and listen to the videos. But would you perform a poem for us now on the show?
1: Yeah, sure. Is there anything that you want to hear or do you, would you like me to do something new? I could do something brand new that no one's ever heard. Or I could do something that is one of your favorites. I have no preference.
0: Oh gosh, I don't want to make that choice because of course I want something brand new. If you've never heard it, I mean, that's incredible. We have to choose that. But my favorites, oh gosh, my favorites are definitely Home now and the poem about saying yes. Home is my absolute favorite. So maybe, I'm going to be really greedy. Could you perform Home for the listeners and then maybe right at the end of the show if they... uh, keep listening to the end, we can get an exclusive something new.
1: Yeah, sure, no problem. Okay, so this is called Home. I wanna buy a house where I can make memories in every room. Plant a garden in my backyard and watch the flowers bloom. It will be big, but not so big the guests will get lost. It will be nice, but not so nice that everybody whispers, what it cost, Woo! It will have gorgeous views, but being higher doesn't mean superior. I've learned not to judge a house by what's on the exterior. It's what's on the interior, and I don't mean design because a house is not a home unless the people are aligned. I used to want a mansion. I thought that'd bring me joy. I went and bought a lot of stuff that I had no time to enjoy. I was working for a living, but it wasn't working because I wasn't living. And a life without living is unfulfilling, filling up the empty space with all the things that I was getting, yet I could never get enough or give enough to be enough. And that was constantly upsetting. Value is a funny thing. Is it something that we own? Or is it something that we bring? Experience is priceless. And it doesn't cost a thing because once you make your mind up, you can accomplish anything, even if it seems impossible. Impossible is possible. We take for granted that defying gravity is logical. Intend what you desire and your will will be unstoppable. See, hope can be despair in disguise. So instead I decide, then I watch as my reality realigns. After all, what is time if it's different in a different place? We're all in one place, floating out in outer space. They'll never bottle time. You can't buy anymore. And if you could, it'd be sold out at every corner store. So lately I've been thinking, what if less is really more, if my mortality is what I'm really living for? I want to slide in sacks across Italian marble floors. I want imported art to fill up every corridor. I want my kids to use my bed like it's their trampoline, to walk on top of my couch like it's their balance beam. I want to use my things so they aren't using me. After all, the most important things in life are free. We only borrow land. We only borrow time. We only borrow love. But you can borrow mine. My house is your house. Stay over anytime. If you're a friend you'll have a permanent vacancy sign. Community is what our culture is lacking. We pretend to be connected but mostly it's just unscripted acting. We isolate ourselves and hide from our emotions then pack our schedules as an excuse to stay in motion I'm living by the beach and yet I never see the ocean. It's always out of reach in the midst of my commotion. God forbid I'd have to sit alone without distractions. It's tough to notice thoughts when we're constantly in actions. No matter what your status is, that isn't your satisfaction. So I don't care what you do. I care that you're doing it with passion. That's why we all should share our gifts and cultivate compassion. Because the fastest way to bliss is through a meaningful interaction. And since I'm not even sure that we exist, I've started asking if this world of form is really the illusion of attachment. If I could let it all go, (laughs) my roof would be the stars. My floor would be the earth. My doors would be ajar. My walls would be the wind, my seat would be a stone, my bed would be the clouds and my heart would be my home. But since I have a family and I don't live this life alone, I'm going to buy a house where I can make memories in every room.
0: Wow. Oh my goodness. I have got goosebumps and the biggest smile on my face. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, my pleasure. You're so kind.
0: It's incredible. I love it. I love it. There's so many. Well, first up, I love the line that is I was working for a living, but it wasn't working because I wasn't living. I mean, how many people during the pandemic, I think, woke up to this fact that their life has to fit around their work. And actually, people want to put living at the center of their lives instead of work. So yeah, I love that so much. And also the part about time which is something of course I want to talk to you about time because this is the power hour so you know you talk about time a lot and the part when you said about living by the beach and you never see the ocean and you know so many people have you know they work to get the home or the car or the job or the guy or the girl or whatever but they don't have the time to enjoy it because all they do is work
1: yeah I think it's a matter of making time rather than having time Um, because we don't really have time. Time has us. (laughs) (laughs) But we can make time. We just have to choose to. And once again, it's the difference between me kind of being a micro pessimist and a macro optimist. I'm talking to myself when I'm saying this. I'm reminding myself because, like, when I go on vacation – I don't know what your experience is, but when I go on a vacation, I think of it as like an adventure. And I just feel every moment on vacation, even if I'm relaxing with something that is adventurous and new and exciting, I almost take on a different personality when I'm on vacation. And I wonder if that's part of the reason that people love vacation, because they leave everything that's familiar and when they're not around anything familiar, they can become a new person. They can surprise themselves. Um, but then when you're home, everything is just routine, routine, routine. And if you never consciously get yourself out of that routine, the days blur together. You know, you just don't have any sense of a demarc- demarcification of time. A demarc- I think that's how you say it. But like... Mm. A separation of time, something that that makes this day special. So what I would challenge everybody who's listening to do as I'm challenging myself is find little ways or big ways that you can make each day special and slightly different, something that makes it stand out. And um, if you do that, I think what you find is uh, time stretches out.
0: Yeah, you're right. And the idea of vacation, I recently went on a trip, I went on a lovely weekend away in Europe and you're right, just having your morning coffee, suddenly you're like, oh, this coffee is perfect. This coffee is delicious. This, everything is perfect. This moment is perfect and you enjoy it so much. And of course we look forward to going, you know, on a holiday or I think even just, as you mentioned, you know, new things. I think I definitely, you know, in the last two years with the pandemic I I think I'm craving new I I said this to someone recently I have this craving for every anything that's new so whether it's new scenery a new running route a new you know menu you know it's all everything just feeling like it it, yeah as you said an adventure but I guess doing that in the day-to-day like at home drinking your coffee looking out the window and thinking this coffee is perfect this moment is perfect even yeah if you are at home even if it is the same spot the same chair the same cup maybe that you've had 500 times before you're right for sure like making taking and this is the thing you know I said I wanted to talk about time and the concept of the power hour simply you know about reclaiming time familiar listeners of the show will know or people who've read my book you know I really kind of explore lots of different um I guess angles from this so how we spend our time how we value it you know it's not being something that we have or can get more of and actually it's finite. And so, you know, really being intentional about what we do, who we choose to spend that time with and, and how we think about it. And so do you think that for yourself, your relationship with time has changed? You know, mine certainly has, when I think about, you know, motherhood and just different ebbs and flows and seasons in my life. Do you think that your relationship with time has changed and how has it changed?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, if you think about time when you're a kid and how long a summer seems, a lot of that has to do with how long you've been alive. You know, the summer in comparison to the amount of time that you've been on the planet is much larger when you're eight years old than it is now, you know, for me at 43. But there's also another element to that that I think is often overlooked which is that when you're a kid everything is still new to you you're learning so much and so your relationship with time and your perception of it is also based on that Hmm. Um, so when you do go on vacation why does a vacation that's four days feel like a week or you know a Vacation that's six days feel like two weeks often. And I think it's because you're always around things that are unfamiliar and you're out of your routine and it forces you to have a different focus on the moment to moment. Um, But mostly as adults, we wind up calcifying. We wind up uh, getting so used to uh, our life and so used to our routine that the boundaries that we create for ourselves become prisons. And it's just, once again, something to consider for everyone who's listening. Um, Why do you go to the same restaurant over and over again? You know, uh, why do you sit in the same place every day to have your coffee? Why do you take the same route to work. Well, okay. Maybe you take the same route to work cause it's the fastest way to get there. Right. So that's an easy yeah. answer. Or maybe you like to sit in that certain place cause it's the most comfortable or you like to go to the restaurant cause it's the food that is comforting to you. I'm not taking any of those things away. The only thing I'm, I'm bringing up is, um, you know, I think another reason that we do that is because it gives us the illusion of control it gives us the illusion of uh, protection and certainty in such an uncertain world. And so I would just say, try doing other things and see how you experience time change. Um, yeah, that's kind of kind of my long answer to, to get back to your question.
0: Yeah, no, I love it, especially the part around control, because, yeah, I think you're right, creating habits and rituals and doing things with repetition, repetition, it does, it can kind of make you feel as though you know, you know, for children, for example, they like repetition, because they know what to expect, they know what's coming next, okay, especially if you think really young children, you know, that's why often parenting things will say, you know, have a routine that they know what to expect, and they know what's coming next. But I do think you're right, this calcification, and, and as adults, how, familiarity can become complacency and how complacency can become laziness and how you know I think there's this real I'm hyper hyper aware of it as you can probably tell and as someone who really I live with a sense of urgency for for lots of different reasons actually in my life but I live with a sense of urgency and I think sometimes people mistake that for uh, you know you just want the next thing or more or you know it's like the idea of I guess you know capitalism and commercialness the idea that you have to get you know a bit better, ha- better house and a better car and write another book and do another marathon and and I have to challenge myself I, I do a lot of deep thinking about this because I'm like okay Adrian yeah why are you signing up for another marathon or why are you you know desperate to do the next thing but I believe you can have this live with urgency and experience new things and challenge yourself to keep striving for new more different things as well as being incredibly grateful for the moment and where I'm at right now you know I can be grateful for the home that I have you know the family the friends the food in the fridge my comfy bed I can be so grateful for what I have and still have this parallel or kind of I guess dual thought of I know I'm working towards x Do you think it's possible to do both or do you think that it's that I'm kidding myself and actually, you know, yeah, you can't be super in the moment where you are today if you've got one eye on the future.
1: I think, um, no, I don't think you're kidding yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's great that you're striving for that. I think why, why do we want to move forward? Because life is growth and, um, And when you stop growing, you start dying. And so it's wonderful to push yourself forward. And simultaneously, um, presence is the only thing that we have. Like right now is the only moment that is real. And so finding a way to kind of moonwalk on the razor's edge, so to speak, is a great way to live your life. I think if somebody was going to decide to become a monk and (laughs) live on a mountaintop somewhere and and meditate all day, I I have the deepest respect for for someone who chooses that life. Often their meditations are um, meditations for the world as a whole. And so I admire that. Um, But I do think that, it's complicated to want things in a normal uh, capitalistic society to have goals that you set for yourself and simultaneously be unattached to those goals. Whereas if you want nothing, then uh, if you can get nothing, you've <laughs> you've already gotten what you want. Um, and so... Yeah, I I think it, it is complicated, but it is achievable, but it's only achievable right now. And it's also OK if it changes over time. I think it doesn't have to be all or nothing.
0: Yeah, it is complex. And I think I definitely kind of fall, you know, I'm human rights, so I fall in and out of this thing around. Yeah, I'm, I'm never going to be. I mean, anyone who's ever met me will tell you I'm never going to be a Zen, you know, kind of mindful guru this is never going to happen you know I literally sitting still is a challenge for me I, I thrive in motion and doing and energy and that's just who I am but I do think yeah it's possible really to be right right now I have everything I need everything is great this is such a what an amazing as well abundant you know I haven't certainly been here my whole life so I think that's another reason I'm hyper aware of abundance and having what I need But Mm -hmm. on the flip side, as I said, yeah, of course I have, I'm, I do goal setting workshops. That is how much I love to future plan and, and set goals for people. But I always say, define your list of goals, but never let your goals define you. So exactly Mm -hmm. as you said, if it, if it happens and if you get to do all those things and you go to those places and you meet those people and you do those things, then how wonderful is that? But if you don't, that's okay too. you know, it doesn't have to be that you're made and you're defined by those things
1: yeah look anything that I'm saying or you're saying you know take it or leave it no one can tell you what's right for you um I think that we're all just hopefully like uh giving our experience like like my wisdom isn't knowledge it's it's experience and my experience is constantly changing And so I hope that something I say sparks someone else to go inside of themselves and figure out what the next move is for them or, you know, to think of a thought that they haven't had before or, um, you know, have an idea uh, creatively or try something new or to heal a relationship or, you know, any of these things. So, um, yeah, there's... Uh, infinite ways to live your life and don't let anyone tell you that uh, one is right and one is wrong you know just find what's right for you
0: sure sure and before I actually ask you about your power hour because I'd love to know what the first hour of your day is like but before I get to that I have one more thing that I wanted to discuss with you which is about you know once you create something and you I guess I don't know if you ever feel like it's perfect and it's finished but it gets to a place where you you know you share it or you write it down publish it whatever how do you obviously we're always learning and as you said growth we're always growing learning new things you might change your mind you know I've certainly changed my mind about a lot of things and then I feel this kind of pressure maybe at the moment as I said being at the start of another writing journey uh to have everything solidified and to kind of feel like wow you know this book once it's printed you know you have to kind of say in 10 years' time, of course, we're allowed to change our mind, but yeah, how do you reflect back on your work once it's done and it's done? Do you ever feel like, ah, I wanted to just add one more word there or do you just like let it go?
1: Um, Well, the poems are always written as living, breathing documents. So they're meant to be performed and they're meant to evolve as I evolve. When I put them into my book, Inquire Within, it was a new Experience. It was a new vehicle. And I almost had to kill the poems for myself in order for them to have life for other people. And that was a, a beautiful thing for me because putting them on the page um, and then allowing other people to hold them in their hands or to listen to them on the audiobook and um, have it be meaningful to them in a different way is really special. Um, but I personally don't consider these poems finished. I mean, mm. in a year I might go back, you know, to perform one of these poems and I'll think, you know, I don't like that part anymore, or I don't agree with it, or I want to change these words, or I want to, you know, edit something and uh, I'm okay with that. I'm I'm okay with the poems um, being completed in this form that they're in. But not uh, completed in my life. And, uh, And I think that that gives me a little more room and space to not feel the pressure of like, oh, everything has to be perfect because nothing's perfect.
0: Yeah, the pressure is the word. Right. And I think everybody, I hope anybody, everybody listening, if you have any creative endeavor, being okay with that unfinished feeling and saying, you know what, this is where it's at right now. This is how I feel. This is the best version of of the work. And that's okay. And yeah, just saying, you know what, nothing's ever perfect anyway. So you could constantly think, oh, let me just do one more round of edits, (laughs) you know. Um, But yeah. Yeah, I think that there's
1: a there's a difference between being like, okay, this is right or this is right for right now. And mm. that's the feeling I want to come to with completion to a piece where I'm like, OK, this feels right for right now. And I want to start sharing this. Um, I want to give this away. But yeah. uh, that, that doesn't mean that, you know, that it can't evolve. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row?
0: let's talk a little bit about the power hour as I said for me you know the first hour of my day cultivating that time every single day it is non-negotiable what I do in that time you know it does change throughout the year but it's non-negotiable time for me and i've obviously now after interviewing like 150 guests on this show i'm always so fascinated to hear what time they wake up how they spend that first hour what they choose to do what they choose to avoid so in can you tell us what time typically do you get up i know you're you're based in la right now and what's the first hour of your day what's it all about
1: um you know it varies Sometimes I'll wake up at six in the morning, and sometimes I'll sleep until eleven. Um, so there's really no routine there for me. I think it it changes based on whether or not I have an appointment, you know, and I have to set an alarm. But sometimes there's just no alarm, and my eyes just open up um, with the sunrise. We moved to a new place uh, relatively recently, and we still haven't gotten blinds. In the bedroom, and so the sun comes in, and I've always like uh, preferred these blackout blinds, you know, <laughs> that just shuts the light out and allows me to be in this like cave when I sleep. And now I really like the sun coming in. I like being able to look at the view in the evening time, uh, right before I I go to bed. And so I think maybe that has a part of like me waking up earlier, at least more recently. Um, I always meditate um, and I've had a meditation practice for years and it's a Vedic practice, which is uh, another version of Transcendental. Um, It was taught to me by a woman named Emily Fletcher. And um, that's been a, a game changer for me and transformational as a tool in my life so i'll always meditate for like 22 minutes i do the 20 minute meditation and then the two minute cool down where i kind of use that for prayer or manifestation and then i come down and make coffee i like to clean up that's like pretty important to me because Mm -hmm. um when everything is messy around me i feel messy inside (laughs) yeah um And then I'll usually just have my cup of coffee and, you know, I start to get into, like, uh, checking either emails or uh, text messages or, um, yeah, that's pretty much my my normal routine.
0: Yeah, and as someone who I've tried many times to... Oh, that's a lie. I haven't tried many times. I have tried to do meditation practices. Often they have to be guided, or I really enjoy kind of breathwork practices. So I'm just interested to know, well, firstly, is your meditation guided or is it something that you do by yourself without any prompts?
1: No, it's something that you do by yourself. I mean, I went through a course uh, mm-hmm. with, as I said, Emily Fletcher's Ziva meditation. Um, just for anyone who's interested, she's an incredible meditation teacher. And uh, she ultimately gave me a secret mantra that I'm not allowed to tell anyone about (laughs) because it personalizes it for you. And then you use that as the anchor and you kind of keep repeating your mantra over and over again. Um, And then any thoughts or emotions that come up, you just kind of observe them and let them pass. Um, You know, there's no mastering this. And I wouldn't even say that I'm very good at meditation. But what I would Mm -hmm. say is... That it's basically like a gym for letting go and you just practice letting go of those thoughts and those emotions over and over and over again. And the more that you do that, the more that you're able to let go of those thoughts and emotions when you're triggered in the real world because you've practiced building up that muscle.
0: Yeah, well, this is the thing. This is why I say I've tried and tried because I know from a lot of friends who talk about the benefits of meditation and it's funny, they they joke with me. It's like, you want the benefits of meditation, you have to do the meditation. And it's like, I, as a runner, I think often people look at me and say to me, how do you stay motivated to run? How do you stay motivated to run in the cold or, you know, in whatever dark mornings, you know, I go out at 5.30 in the morning and it's dark here and now it's freezing. But for me, as I said, it's not just a, i guess it's become a practice it's something it's just a part of my life it's part of my identity but of course i have days when i go oh my gosh it's freezing i'm literally tying up my laces and thinking oh my gosh i don't want to go and then other times of course i can't wait to just basically get out and take that first breath you know so do you have that is it the same with meditation practice do you have days where you just think oh my gosh i just can't be bothered for this or is it something that you actually crave in the morning
1: um Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think it's important. And maybe you'll agree to distinguish that there's not really um, a difference in terms of the benefits of a good meditation or a bad meditation, or a good run or a bad run. Like, you know, if, if you're motivated to do it, it might be easier for you. And you might, I don't know, run farther, or I I, I don't have a sense of it. So maybe your technique is more Tight. I don't know, but um, but ultimately, I would ask you: like, do you think the benefits are any different? Um, because for me, they're not. Like, if I have a thought-filled or emotion-filled meditation, um, I don't think that it's less valuable than a meditation where I can really drop into that uh, place of nothingness.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think it's the same, and it, it's interesting because. I guess now we have so much you know, stats and data and all these things around, I do anyway around my running, but actually the feeling can be completely different. So exactly as you described, I could have a run where I feel energized, I feel motivated, I feel unstoppable, and I could do the exact same route in the exact same time. And if I was to look at my stats, it'd probably say your heart rate was this and your cadence was that. But then I can do the same run and it can feel like a slog and it feels long. And I'm, you know, I just, it never, that easy moment, that easy feeling doesn't come. You know, I just, Mm. it's difficult from start to finish, but I can look at the stats and they're the same. You did this distance, you did it in this time. Your heart rate was this. So actually, yeah, what I'm doing is exactly the same. But the feeling from one day to another, like a month late can be so, so different. And yeah, I think that's why, you know, you can't, you can't, well, for training anyway, you can't rely on motivation. You can't wait till you feel like going. If I only ran when I felt like going, it would be maybe 25% of the time. And the rest of the time, it's a practice. It's a discipline. It's something that I do exactly to get the benefits and to... I guess show up at races and actually be able to, <laughs> to, to to cover the distance on the day.
1: Yeah, I mean, as we were talking about earlier, for you, like it sounds like that's the difference between having time and making time. I mean, you make time no matter what it is that you're going through, and that adds up. It's like incremental and accumulative. It also sounds like that is your meditation, and there's something so beautiful about that. I I would love to have um, a more regular physical practice. I mean, I work out on a pretty regular basis, but not like you, not with that type of dedication. I mean, you're a true athlete. And so there's a moving meditation that you're doing that is uh really admirable.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think it's definitely, as I said, part of my identity now. And it's interesting because I'm definitely not a professional runner, a professional athlete, but I agree. it's It's something that I, yeah, I'm just, I'm dedicated to for I know the benefits basically but okay so we talked earlier on about the fact that you kindly said you would perform for us something brand new that never no one's ever heard before so before we do that could you tell the listeners of the show you, you have your own podcast obviously they can find you online can you tell the listeners wherever they are UK or around the world where and how they can connect with you and your work?
1: Yes, so the first thing I would say is you can go to in-q.com and that will have almost everything you need. Um, in-q.com So in-q is short for in-question. It's an easy way to memorize that. And, um, and then really, I just want people to get the book Inquire Within, which is out now, and you can get it in uh, hard copy or you can get it um, through Audible. And I'm really proud of the book and want to get it to as many hands and ears as possible. And then I do public shows and uh, public workshops and private shows and private workshops. And um, I do digital workshops and all sorts of things. So you can always keep up with me through the website uh, by signing up on the email list or go to anything on social media um, at INQLife.
0: Thank you. And I'm going to share the link in the show note and also just to add to this honestly I know I've mentioned to you before that I've bought your book in choir within as gifts for people they always without doubt get in touch with me afterwards, even if it's, you know, a friend I haven't spoken to for a long time or a work colleague and they're like, wow, you know, we talk about the different poems that they liked. And of course, you know, it's the end of the year, people want to buy Christmas gifts. And so much of us have, you know, fortunately abundance. You know, it's like, oh, that person, let me get them another candle. Oh, let me get them another whatever. But this is such an amazing gift. It is literally the best gift that you can give to someone. They will be so grateful. So make sure you grab inquire within, one for yourself and one as a Christmas gift. I've just given you the best, you're going to be the secret Santa that everybody wants to get in the office now.
1: Oh, you're so nice. So
0: over to you one last time, if you wouldn't mind. This is an exclusive, something brand new, and I can't wait to hear it.
1: Yes, here you go. All right, brand new. Nobody's heard this. Let's see see how this sounds. Everything you're afraid of is a closed door inside your body. And there are endless corridors for almost everybody, me, I'm in an empty lobby, sitting sifting through a pile of locks trying to be somebody. You want to change somebody, me? I want to free somebody, me. But I have to be seen so I can see somebody, see? I'll try to make this crystal clear like a chandelier. Between projections and reflections, we are walking mirrors. This isn't poetry, it's prayers in disguise. I had to borrow your eyes. I had to realize just how many lives we live in our lives. I had to realize I could die and still survive my demise. I've been to countless funerals and lately all of them mine, dancing over landmines in tumultuous times. I'll shoot a bullseye blind to draw a chalk outline and fit infinity into the spaces. I wanna take off mine and try on eight billion faces. I wanna wander in the desert dry until I have to look inside for the oasis. I cry myself to sleep at night and dream of trading places. Emotions, energy in motion. So it has to move. It has to flow or it gets trapped and has to be removed. It has to go or has to transform to something else. It has to decompose to grow and take a different self. It's universal health. I opened up the doors and felt the breeze pouring in. I stepped outside to greet the sunlight against my skin. I pushed against the wind like I was being born again, but couldn't differentiate between the storm within. My chakras started glowing as if by divine design. The only light that's showing now is from the neon sign that read, to get ahead in life is also to be left behind. I'm here to testify, express myself, and step aside. See, I believe in humankind. That's why I'm kind to humans. Our architectural designs are going to wind up ruins. But I'm a realistic optimist. I make a living out of talking shit. You can find me in a forest or a metaverse metropolis. I put my money on utopia over apocalypse, though both are huge accomplishments. See, it's the joy of consciousness. Life is so mysterious. I don't need to understand. I'd rather go experience Open up your hearts, open up your minds, open up your eyes, open up your lives, open up to life. There's a world outside just beyond your sight. Go explore, there is more. Open up your doors, open up your pores, pour your life force into the source. Open up your cores, turn your metaphoric ceilings into floors, stay the course. Let it course through your veins, open up to pain, open up to change, open up until you actualize your dreams, taking everything and nothing at the very same time. Open up to all the darkness that it took to make you shine, open up your body, spirit, and your soul. Open up the parts of you that made you whole, you're alive and that's the goal, you survived despite the obstacles you had to face before. So let before be before, and open up the fucking door.
0: Oh my gosh. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Honestly, my mind is blown. It's so clever and so, it's like a, the rhythm and the momentum and the energy and the, everything you're thinking. I'm like, yes, yes. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Oh, you're
1: so nice. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's fun to share something new because I'm still figuring it out. So it's like I completed it to a place where, as I said, it feels right for right now but how do I get more information about the piece? I share it. And as I share it, like it informs me, like what feels right in sharing it and do I need to change anything or how can I play with the piece more? Um, How can I use silence in between um, that becomes just as important as the words. And so, uh, thank you for letting me share it with your audience because uh, hopefully not only did they get something out of it, but I'm learning uh, by getting to share a new piece.
0: Well, I feel so lucky to be, yeah, having this this exclusive I'm gonna be talking I'm gonna be shouting about it for the entire week and just I hope I know the listeners of the show are gonna love it and they're gonna be like how if they haven't already how have I not discovered this so you're welcome everyone listening <laughs> and just dive in deeper because there's so much incredible work of yours you know it's just- and also the fact it's so available now we're so lucky this is the thing right you can literally dive in YouTube podcasts books like everything is there and I, I was talking to my son actually telling him that I was doing this interview with you and I don't think he can imagine, you know, it's such a different world for him. He's 10 now to, you know, it's like, okay, cool. You know, anyone you see, you can just, I think he feels like, okay, cool. You know, it's just the same as if you see, I don't know, Michael Jordan on TV or if you see your sister on FaceTime, you know, it's kind of like, mm. I don't know how to describe it, but it's this kind of the virtual world that they've gr- that he has grown up in makes everything and everyone seems so much closer which I guess is a good thing. But it's just yeah, it's it's quite bizarre to think how how close in a way everything is. But anyways, take advantage of it and just dive in and enjoy more of Inq's wonderful poetry.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you everyone for tuning in. And as always, we love to know, you know, how, and when and where you're enjoying the show, especially at the moment. I feel so lucky this week. So many people have been reaching out saying, you know, it's the end of the year and they get those Spotify wrap ups. And it's like crazy. Some people, they're like, I've listened to 2000 minutes of Power Hour this year. And it kind of comes up on Spotify and tells them. So thank you, everyone who's been tagging me and, and reaching out, saying that they've loved the show throughout the year. Uh, As always, you can, you know, rate, review all of that. And please do let us know if you're enjoying the show. Have an awesome week. See ya. Hi,
1: I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.